I want you to hit me as hard as you can. She has a smile that has charmed audiences for two decades. Cameron Diaz reinvented the blonde bombshell, and then she showed us that she's more than just a blonde bombshell. A Farley brother has described Madame Diaz as Grace Kelly with gas. And she even won the first ever Nickelodeon Burp Award, which is a glorious achievement that no one can ever take away from her. Cameron Diaz has blessed us with many fun, unique, and thought-provoking films, working with some of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Scorsese, Ridley Scott, Oliver Stone, Cameron Crowe, Spike Jones, Michel Gondry, Danny Boyle, and McGee. And I'm sure we all remember exactly where we were at the moment we first gazed eyes on her talent in The Mask back in good old 1994. But you know, Cameron Diaz has not appeared in a feature film since good old 2014? Yeah, and right now it's not so good, not so old 2020. So that's a lot of years to go without Cameron. So Joe Blow has sent me and my team of ass-kicking angels down the mind portal of Cameron Diaz to find out the question that's been on everybody's mind since they rebooted Annie. What the f happened to Cameron Diaz? <laughs> but to truly understand what the f happened to Cameron Diaz, we must start at the beginning. She went to the same high school as Snoop Dogg, and this future superstar rapper would sell this innocent cheerleader illegal marijuana drugs. Cameron started her entertainment career as a teenage fashion model, which included a controversial topless shoot when she was 19 years old, and that would come back to haunt her. And we will get to that, stay tuned. Only a few years into her modeling career, it was showtime for Cameron. She landed the lead female role in the major motion picture, The Mask. And she had absolutely zero acting experience. But she took to the silver screen like a uh, fish takes to water. And I'm gonna be honest, this is probably one of the greatest on-screen debuts of all time. Like the moment she appears on screen, you know you're witnessing a superstar being born. She was instantly compared to classic beauties like uh, Marilyn Monroe. And in this movie, The Mask, Cameron Diaz holds her own alongside the cartoonish comedic madman that is Jim Carrey. And it's funny because poor innocent Cameron had no idea what she was getting into and wasn't even sure if The Mask was going to be playing in theaters. She was worried that her parents would never get to see it. And it was only natural for Cameron to fall into the romantic comedy genre next, and she absolutely thrived, with the delightful rom-com My Best Friend's Wedding. It's a funny flick about getting married to a man who happens to be Julia Roberts' best friend, and in the hands of a lesser actress, this role could have fallen to the wayside and pretty much have been just like a talking prop. But no, not Cameron. She brought depth and humor to this role. And I'm not a big rom-com guy because, you know, I'm such a manly man. But this is one of the better ones. Then she worked with Ewan McGregor in a Danny Boyle film called A Life Less Ordinary. Which is definitely not an ordinary movie. This motion picture has been described as a romantic comedy action crime fantasy. I'm not sure which section at Blockbuster you would put this one in, but 
That's what makes it so special. It's a fun, creative time at the movies. Lots of sexy action, lots of guns, and there's angels and heavenly stuff too that only a 1997 Danny Boyle could bring to life. And Cameron seems to be having a blast the whole time. But critics hated it, and you know how those critics are. And then came There's Something About Mary, from the director of Green Book, which brilliantly blended the worlds of 90s gross-out slapstick with 90s heartwarming romantic comedy. Her performance is, dare I say, iconic. Her style, her charm, her comedic timing, and her hair were all perfect. Great. I can use No, 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 don't, you don't have to. You don't, you don't. I just ran out. <laughs> this delightfully disgusting performance earned Diaz her first Golden Globe nomination. Cameron was officially a superstar. This followed with the film Very Bad Things. I haven't seen it, but I hear good things about Very Bad Things. And I'm sure that we can all relate to this, but Cameron often found that her good looks would limit the roles offered to her. Those pesky good looks were always getting in the way. But director Spike Jones believed that Cameron Diaz could be more than just a pretty face. Yes, the year was 1999 AD, Anno Domini. The greatest year for movies ever. And one of those movies was being John Malkovich. There's a saying that they say in Tinseltown, and it goes a little something like this. There are only 14 stories to tell. Well, Cameron Diaz describes this as number 15. She is absolutely wonderful in this Charlie Kaufman-crafted, wild, mind-trippin', gender-bendin', puppet-flippin' adventure. Her character could have easily just been the wife to our protagonist. But no, she steals every scene she's in. It's a twisted love story that answers the age-old question, what's it like to be John Malkovich? She was nominated for a Golden Globe and a BAFTA. This is probably my favorite Cameron Diaz performance. So far. Also in 1999, the best year for movies ever, she made Any Given Sunday. Cameron was thrown right into the trippy world of Oliver Stone, playing a character much more ferocious than what we're used to, and she's totally believable as a tough team owner or, or something, once again showing off her acting range. Go team go. Yay sports. We're a second-tier team. We're not a second-tier no, team. Come on, admit it, Tony. You're not being honest. Then came 2000 AD, the new millennium, which brought us Charlie's Angels. And that showed us that she can do the action thing. She's a butt-kicking, good-looking goofball in this one. I never really cared for this movie, but after that god-awful reboot, I have come to appreciate what Sir Mick G and his angels were trying to accomplish. And lots of people really enjoyed this film. People who weren't me. And there's lots of people that aren't me. Charlie's Angels was a huge hit. Huge. Then there was 2001, the year, not the movie. And in that year came an animated mega hit called Shrek. Oh, Wake up. What? Her voice perfectly fit the princess. It was wonderful, delightful, splendid, magical. She had great chemistry with Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy, even though they were never in the same room together. This film was huge. Too huge, actually. Too huge. One could even call it a pop cultural phenomenon. That same year of 2001, Cameron teamed up with another Cameron, 
Crow, and made Vanilla Sky, an interesting, thought-provoking, psychological thriller starring superstar Tom Cruise. She was nominated for that good old Golden Globe for playing this crazy stalker, and I totally believed that she was crazy, which is a great compliment for an actress. Next came The Sweetest Thing, another raunchy rom-com. This one's about three gal pals looking for love in all the wrong places, only to find themselves on a journey of friendship or, or, or something. Sis sister, sisterhood. I hear it's funny, but it didn't do very well at the box office. So it was funny, but it didn't make the money. That same year, she worked with the great Martin Scorsese, or as you Philistines pronounce it, Scorsese, in the film Gangs of New York. Alongside acting titans Daniel Day-Lewis and DiCaprio. She played a pickpocket in this amazing gangster flick. I remember my first time seeing Cameron and hearing Cameron with her washed-out Irish accent. It was a little off-putting. And for the first few minutes, you kind of wish that Martin Scorsese would have cast somebody else. I'm just being honest. But then, eventually, her performance grows on you and she fits right into this incredible gang of thespians. So, she showed me. Way to go, Cameron. This epic period piece earned her another Golden Globe nomination. So, like I said before, way to go, Cameron. Then in 2003 came Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. You know, because sequels. Diaz became the second woman in Hollywood to get a $20 million paycheck for a film. She was following in the pricey footsteps of her best friend's wedding co-star, Julia Roberts. And of course, now that she was big and famous, her past was coming back to haunt her. When she was blackmailed for millions with topless photos from when she was 19. But after a long court battle, the blackmailing photographer would go on to serve years in prison for going after poor Cameron. Then in 2005 came Shrek 2, you know, cause sequels. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Better out than in, I always say, eh, Fiona? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh... Also in 2005, Cameron was in her shoes. She played Tony Collette's sister. And this would be Cameron Diaz's last certified fresh movie, if you trust tomatoes. I don't know, tomatoes, are they a fruit? Are they a vegetable? I don't, like, you can't trust them, really. Many consider this to be the last good film Cameron Diaz ever made. This was the beginning of her critical downfall, leading many critics to totally trash her next string of acting gigs calling her last few films forgettable and disappointing. Diaz has even been accused of overacting during this time period of her career. So now, angels, let's investigate the last chapters of her career, shall we? Starting with 2006's The Holiday. I actually saw this one because I think I had a girlfriend at the time, and it was decent. A great cast, good chemistry, the romantic type. It was nice. In 2007, there was a third Shrek movie called Shrek the Third, because they had to. Then she was in the movie What Happens in Vegas with that punk Ashton Kutcher. And I say it's never a good idea to do a film based off of a tourism slogan. There's My Sister's Keeper, which is a tearjerker about cancer, and The Box, a disappointing flick from the Donnie Darko director. We had so much hope for Richard Kelly, but even the power of Cameron Diaz couldn't save The Box. 
And then yet another Shrek movie. This one was the fourth one and they called it Shrek Forever After with a four, because they had to. Then in 2010, she worked with Tom Cruise again in Night and Day. Night spelled with a K. This was no Vanilla Sky and it didn't do very well at the box office despite its all-star cast. Next was The Green Hornet. And I know I saw it and I know I kind of like some parts of it, but I really don't even remember her character. So that's not a good thing. Sorry, Cameron, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'll watch it again one day. This was soon followed by the sleeper hit Bad Teacher, where she plays a teacher who is not good. This is part of the unofficial Bad Cinematic Universe, featuring films like Bad Santa, Bad Moms, Bad Grandpa, and Bad Boys for life. So why not Bad Teacher? But was it a bad movie? I don't know, let me watch it real quick. Actually, I don't really have time. Uh, let me check the tomatoes. Yep, they're rotten. And these tomatoes are always fair and balanced, yep. But even though the reviews were bad, it made over 200 million buckaroos. So even though Cameron was on her way out, she was still making that moolah. Seriously? The apocalyptic year of 2012 brought us the film What to Expect When You're Expecting. And like I always say, it's never a good idea to make a film based off of a pregnancy book. Then she did a horrible film written by the Coen brothers of all people called Gambit, which is not an X-Men movie, so who cares? And then in 2013, she worked with the great Ridley Scott in The Counselor. But this is one of those lesser Ridley Scott films, so who cares? Then came the year 2014, her final acting year ever. So far, the first film to come out in that final acting year was The Other Woman. Another less than stellar rom-com which actually made a lot of money at the box office. But her early success of that year was soon trampled by the next big flop, Sex Tape. Nobody went to see this one because everyone's already seen Jason Segel naked, so it's like, what's the point? All right. Here we go. Let's do this thing. It's on. Mm. Mm. Then came Cameron Diaz's final film. That Annie reboot. Cameron's misguided, out-of-tune swan song. The hype for this musical was pretty big, but it was yet another huge flop. Flopping all over the place. I remember everybody throwing that vicious shade all over Cameron's singing, but I don't know, I think it fit the character. But what do I know? No, I'm seriously asking, what do I know? And some say that this flop was so floppy that Cameron quit the biz because of the horror show that is the Annie reboot. So right then, right there, she walked away from it all. Forever. For now. It's a hard knock life for Cameron. Or is it? Now she's a best-selling author. She's writing books about the science of health and aging. You know, lifestyle stuff. Like a less annoying goop. She's embracing aging gracefully and she looks great and healthy. No need for that plastic surgery mask on this model slash actress slash author slash lifestyle guru. Cameron's new outlook on life is an inspiration to women and men everywhere. And just because of her, I am canceling my latest Botox injection. In my face. And like I said before, one day she just walked away from it all. And Cameron Diaz has gone on to say that letting go of Hollywood has brought her peace. She finally got herself back. 
She hated that being famous was her job, and the evil clutches of Hollyweird no longer have a grip on her soul. Miss Diaz is now free, finally her own person, and I think that's wonderful. She's now just enjoying family life with her child and her husband, Benji, the good Charlotte guy, not, not the dog. And the next adventure in Cameron's life will probably be more fulfilling than a hundred Charlie's Angels sequels. So the bottom line is nobody should give a f about what the f happened to Cameron Diaz. She is still always smiling. And walking away from that spotlight might have been the best move of her career ever. Ending things while you're still on top. And Hollywood is a changing place right now, so maybe this is the best time to leave. Before it all crumbles, you know. Unlike others, she's not desperately hanging on to her falling star. Nope, she has let go and is soaring on her own. And I respect that. Plus, she has like 140 million bucks in the bank, so she, she can do whatever she wants, you know? So thanks for the great films, Miss Diaz. Thanks for the laughs. Thanks for the tears. Thanks for the dancing. Thanks for the gas. And thanks for the beauty advice. You will always have a place in our cinematic hearts. Because, what can I say? There's something about Cameron.